Folks, we're continuing on in our series, Opportunity Knocks. And uh, all along, we're reminding ourselves that even in the midst of this pandemic, no doubt there's a lot of grief going on at what we've lost and at the changes that we never chose. But this pandemic is also an opportunity. It's an opportunity to grow. It's an opportunity to learn, to be ready for anything down the road that life is going to throw at you. Uh, I, I like what one author described about opportunities. Here's what he said. He said, opportunities many times are so small that we glimpse them not, and yet they are often the seeds of great enterprises. Opportunities are also everywhere, and so you must always let your hook be hanging. When you least expect it, a great fish will swim by. I like that image. I'm not a fisherman at all. I see lots of people out there fishing, but I, I like that thought that even in the midst of a pandemic like this, you're letting your hook hang so that whatever opportunities are out there, they're not going to pass by you without you uh, being ready to grow and to learn and to adapt and uh, for better things down the road. So today, we're talking about how now is an opportunity to care for your soul. First thing I want to tell you is you and I need to pay attention to the soul's warning signs. Now, I'm going to say a couple of things here that you just bear with me. This is the bad news. This is the hard news. But the truth of the matter is, I think this whole COVID-19 pandemic is revealing to a lot of us that I'm not okay. You're not okay. You are not enough. It's revealing your inadequacies. It's revealing your frustrations. It's feeling, uh, revealing your fears. It's revealing the stuff that's inside your soul. Uh, Micah, uh, this week, introduced a, a little bit of a, an image of the warning lights on the dashboard, you know, of your vehicle. Uh, we happened to get one just this past week, uh, and, you know, they had to go in. They had to read the code, and apparently it had to do with the gas cap which wasn't sealing properly and so they were, the reason it was there so that dirt didn't get into the fuel tank. Uh, so I guess we're a little grateful that we had that warning light that was there. But what about what's the warning lights on the dashboard of your soul? This crisis is going to reveal what's going on in your soul in a unique way from so many of the other crises in your life because uh, now you have more time. You have more time with the people close to you, you have more time with yourself. So you're going to meet yourself in a new way. And, and all those distractions that you used to cover up, maybe, the things that were going on in your soul, those distractions are stripped away too. So this crisis is going to reveal what's going on in your soul in a different, new, and perhaps more extreme way. So let's talk about what could be going on inside your soul. Here are some warning signs. And I've kind of grouped these into uh, physical warning signs, uh, emotional warning signs, and spiritual warning signs. But uh, let me give you a little tip. All three of these things are connected. They're all the same. They're all interdependent because we're like one person. But think about this right now. In this pandemic, it seems like it would be impossible. Why would in the world would we be tired? But a lot of us are. Are you feeling that these days? That's a warning light on the dashboard of your soul. Uh, some of us are kind of the opposite. We can't slow down. We got to keep ourselves busy all the time. Maybe that's revealing something in your soul too. Some of us are sleepless, can't get our sleep. That's showing often what's going on in the soul. And, and then think about how often uh, 
you might be feeling, I, I hope it's not true, but you might be feeling hopeless, feeling like giving up. That's a real warning sign. Uh, others of us can't focus. Uh, you're distracted. Uh, even more, others of us, especially around other people, we are just, we've got that hair trigger in our soul. We're angry. We've got a temper. Or maybe you're afraid. And that's all connected to spiritual stuff, too, where a lot of us are insecure. And maybe you find lately that you're judging people a little bit more. There's this little impulse in your soul where you just want to tear somebody down just a little more than you usually would. Of course, when it comes to the soul, when we're arrogant or self-reliant, that's a spiritual thing. You could be apathetic, cold of heart. Have you felt that lately? That's a, that's a soul warning. Or maybe you're having flashbacks of the past, flashbacks of regret. All these things are warning signs of the soul. So pay attention to those things. They're telling you something. And what they're telling you is this, that you got to pay attention to the hunger and the thirst that are going on inside of your soul. You see, your soul gets thirsty. It gets thirsty. Um, it, it's like, you know, when people go into the hospital, often I get the chance to visit them. Well, not lately, but I'm looking forward to getting back and visiting people that are in the hospital when they're there. But quite often, there's this little pole that's beside people who've been first admitted to the hospital because they're getting an IV. And there, there are a lot of reasons to have an IV, but one of the ones I often imagine that's there is they're just, they're dehydrated. They need fluid. They need liquid. Their body is thirsty. You know what? Your life and your soul is thirsty too. And the, the Bible talks about, there are a couple of beautiful passages, like in Psalm chapter 42, verse 1. It uses the image of that your soul is, it's like a deer. It's like an animal that's thirsty, that's panting for water, thirsting for God. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13 talks about that God is the, the cistern. He's the spring of living water for us. And that means your soul is very needy. Like I said before, it's, it's not great news to think that you're not okay, that you're not enough. But it is true in this pandemic. We're finding that out about ourselves. Your soul needs to be fed. It needs, its thirst needs to be quenched. You know, have you ever heard that phrase, a lost soul? Right? It, there is such a thing. And in fact, it's true. The Bible talks about it, that our souls are lost. Paul writes about us being dead in our sins. In other words, we don't take care of ourselves. We hurt ourselves. We make choices that... Uh, that hurt us and other people around us. And so one of the first things that we need to do is to recognize we need to start with the, what the Bible talks of as coming clean with God and repentance. It means you and I need to take a sober look at our sin and admit our need. Now, there's this little, there's this little uh, acrostic that I think that I'd like to introduce to you today. You've seen it before. I've modified it a little bit. But the answer to the soul's thirst and the answer to uh, our hunger being quenched is that, first of all, that A, it's an ABCD process. A, admit your sin and you're wrong. And B, believe in Jesus. Believe in who he is. Believe in what he's done. And I'm inviting you to do that today. C, to commit your life to Jesus and your ways to Jesus. 
And then D, this is the new one that I've added. After you've done all those things, after you've come to Jesus, admitted, believed, committed yourself to him, to demonstrate your new life through baptism. That's how you come to Jesus. I invite you, that's how your thirst is going to be quenched. That's how your hunger is going to be filled. Come to Jesus. And when you do that, do it now. Don't delay. Because you're going to find that, that uh, this, this repentance, it triggers grace in your life. You come to God empty. But there are opportunities. There are moments of opportunity. I believe this COVID crisis is a moment of opportunity for you and, and many others to get right with God. To pay attention to that hunger and thirst. Maybe now, maybe this is your opportunity to do business with God. It's time. It's time to get cleaned up. It's time. It's time to let go of the past. It's time to get forgiven. It's time to know for sure that you belong to God. It's time. In Jesus, you can quench your thirst and feed your soul. Let's come back and roll back to that question. How do you care for your soul? And I do wonder, how are you caring for your soul these days? And is it working? Here's the Bible's answer to how you care for your soul. It's found, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Isaiah chapter 55. Two beautiful verses there. Verses 1 and 2 of Isaiah 55. uh, In your Bible or on a Bible app. So let's read that now. It says this. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money, come, take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. You know, uh, this, this passage is talking about how so often, yes, we're hungry, we're thirsty, but we settle for substitutes for feeding our soul. We settle for imitations. Like it says in verse 2, why do you spend your money on food that doesn't give you strength? Food that does you no good. Jesus said this. He said, he told us to work for food that endures. Things that last. And um, it's so true that you and I, we don't focus on things that last. Uh, the, the Bible talks about in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, that the world is passing away. And that's so much like the news cycles of our day. It's so much like the fads that we often subscribe to. Very temporary. They don't feed our souls. They're here today. They're gone tomorrow. Uh, it's like the poet Yeats said. He said this. He said, man is in love and loves what vanishes. Temporary. Like we're in love with temporary things. And that's the situation that Isaiah is writing to in Isaiah 55. Because he's writing to people who are in exile. And they have this choice that's right in front of them. Are they going to stay in Babylon where it's relatively comfortable? You know, they've made a life for themselves there. There's food. Maybe not a lot, but there's food. There's places to, to, to quench your thirst. It's comfortable there. Or... Right now, God is inviting them to go back to Israel and rebuild. It's going to be hard. 
but it's where they're going to find meaning. It's where they're going to find hope. And it's where they're going to be able to feed their souls. And you know what? That's a choice that you've got too, right? To stay right now where it's comfortable. To stay in your habits. To stay, uh, to stay in just the, the ways and the patterns of your thinking. But God's calling you to stretch beyond to a new, better life, a deeper life in him. A more, life that's more filled with the Holy Spirit. You've got a choice for that kind of life too. And uh, this passage, Isaiah 55, speaks of a theme that weaves its way all through the scriptures. It's the theme of a banquet. Over and over again, God's saying he's preparing this feast for you, this banquet. You, you see it right there in Isaiah 55. It talks about, uh, if you read the chapter as a whole, it talks about wine and it, it talks about food. And, and the image is of a wedding feast where God's spreading a banquet for his people. And, and that, of course, bookends for the very Last passages of the Bible, where in Revelation 19, verse 9, and 22, verse 17, it talks about God's inviting people to a wedding feast where he's the groom, we're the bride, and he's going to feed us forever. And Jesus, too, talked about a banquet. He talked about a, a banquet. He tells a story, one of the most beautiful stories, I think, that Jesus tells. Uh, it it, it, it cheers my soul. It found in Luke chapter 14. He tells the story about a man who held a banquet for his son and he invited people to come. And a lot of people made excuses. They said, oh no, you know, I have to, I have to keep on farming. Uh, I got married. I'm too busy. The excuses that we often make. And we do that with God all the time too. But there's this longing over and over again that God would fill the seats at the table. He said, go out to the highways, go out to the byways and invite people. and Go invite the homeless, go in invite the sick, go invite the people nobody else wants. Bring them to my table. I want my table to be filled. This idea of the banquet that God's calling us to come feed on him and to fill our hearts and our lives with good things. That invitation's for you. I can't help but think, every time I think about that passage about the Super Bowl time, I love Super Bowl. I mean, and a lot of you have been there. Uh, you know, I know some of you have like bingo probably going on uh, in, in a, uh, like a sermon bingo, right? How many times Corey mentions his Super Bowl party in a sermon? Oh, yeah, tick that one off for this week, right? Um, but I love them because I love to see people eating and, and enjoying themselves. And I love it when people leave saying, oh, I'm so stuffed, I can't eat another thing. Uh, I love that uh, about Super Bowl parties. And that's just a tiny taste of how God wants to fill you and feed you. But I, I, I want to tell you this, it's not like, uh, it's not bacon-wrapped Smokies that God is trying to fill you with. It's not pizza, you know, all the good things that you can think of, right? He's trying to fill you with Jesus. Jesus is the banquet. He is the one that you feast on. Jesus said he's the bread of life. He's the living water. It's so much so that he will fill you up so much that it, your rivers of life will come out of you. And it's, that's just a foreshadowing of the Lord's table, the Lord's supper, where he feeds you. You were meant to feast on Jesus. And the invitation is in Isaiah 55, this idea that, that you are invited to this feast. And this feast is for everyone. It's for you. It's, 
a lot of us think, oh, nah, my ship has sailed. My opportunity's passed. It hasn't. You have the opportunity now to choose Jesus and start building your life on him and start feeding on him every day. The feast is free. It, it's hard to imagine, right? No, I, I got to do something, you think to yourself. I got to earn my way in. But the truth of the matter is this banquet's been paid for already. It's been paid for by Jesus. If you look back in Isaiah chapter 53, the price for this banquet is paid by the servant who suffers, who dies for the cross, uh, on the cross for you, who pays the, the price of your sin, who pays your way into this banquet, this forever feast with God. And then the idea, too, is that this feast will really fulfill you. It's going to be all that you need. It's truly going to satisfy. That's the promise of Isaiah 55. That's the promise of God. I'm always reminded of uh, the, uh, the story of the, the woman who she uh, uh, had to cancel her wedding. Uh, must have found out that the guy she was marrying was a loser. And she canceled her wedding. Uh, and, and, but they couldn't cancel back out of the caterer. And so what were they going to do? Well, they invited 50 of their family and then 40 other homeless people to this huge feast. Uh, I mean, it was enough to feed, feed them for days. And they came and they feasted. And everyone was invited and it was free. For all of those people that were invited, they had salmon and beef and shrimp cocktail, fettuccine and fruit and strawberry shortcake instead of wedding cake. Reminds me that of the promise here in Isaiah 55 that you will delight in the richest affair. And you know what that is? That's Jesus. So let's talk for just one moment as we land here about how do you feed on Jesus you got this opportunity to care for your soul these days. This opportunity uh, to, when there are so few resources out there, it feels like, at least face-to-face, to feed on Jesus in these days. How are you going to do that? Well, we need to rest in Jesus. God wants you to take a break sometimes, right? Uh, he intro- God made this idea and tried to build it in all creation of Sabbath, of rest, You know, sometimes the best thing you can do for your soul is just take a nap and go sleep. You know what? God isn't disappointed with that. He made sleep. He built you to rest. And in that way, you can be more ready to feed on Jesus. But also, feed on reading about Jesus in the scriptures. And so, make Jesus the center of your Bible reading these days. Because you can't read the Bible without meeting Jesus in it, by the way. Right? Just treat it as a book and you try to learn about all the different genres and all of that stuff. Read the Bible to meet Jesus. You can pray with Jesus these days. Jesus wants you to pray with him and to make that Jesus-centered. And, and for me, i got to tell you, one of, the, one of the great ways that I'm able to connect with God so often is through music and worship. It feeds my soul. You, you'll find a way to feed on Jesus. For me, it's often listening to, to songs that, that really inspire and point to Jesus. Find a way to feed your soul these days. And make this renewed commitment to feed on Jesus during this pandemic. Take the journey from being dead in your sins to being alive to God. Jesus' invitation is, behold, 
I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. If you'll hear my voice and open the door, I'm going to come in with you. I'm going to feed you and I'll be with you forever. Open your eyes to that. Now let's pray. God, would you please, please fill hungry people today? Would you please, please quench the thirst of thirsty people today? I pray this in your name. Amen. Well, Corey, we want to uh, continue our tradition of having a post-message conversation. I know this has been one of the things I've been enjoying a lot recently, and I really enjoyed that, converse, that, that message today, and I'm looking forward to this conversation around the whole idea of taking care of our souls. It's a couple of times this week that you and I have talked about it a bit. Um, one of the things that kept coming to my mind as you were sharing about soul care during this whole season is that image of Jesus at the well. Uh, there's a story where um, Jesus and his disciples are traveling and they, get, they move through Samaria and they stop at this well and a Samaritan woman comes uh, to gather water at the completely wrong time of the day and we could exegete a whole lot of things. But this conversation unfolds and eventually one of the lines that Jesus uses is, uh, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me for a glass of water because he just asked her for some water. You'd ask me for water and you'd never thirst again. As you were talking about soul thirst, I kept coming back to that image of, like, this is where our souls get contented. Like, Jesus talks about that. It's interesting, Jesus says in that passage, if you drink from me, you will never be thirsty again. Yeah. And uh, I think a lot of us, I guess I never really thought about it this way, that uh, that is true what Jesus said, but I do have to keep going back to him. Yeah. I do get thirsty again. It's not his fault. It's not Jesus' fault. It's mine, right? Well, yeah. So why is that that we have to keep going back to the well over and over and over again? But at the same time, that's not to question at all what Jesus is saying because it's always coming back to Jesus. Yeah. He's it's always him. Yeah. You know, he's the one that quenches my thirst. It's when I move away from him, that's when I get thirsty. Yeah, and that's, I think that's the key of the passage is that it's like if you, if you keep drinking of Christ, you don't get thirsty. But if you try and fill it up with other things, and you and I have seen friends try this and do this. This is the instrumental test. We've seen people who try and follow Jesus do this. We've probably done this. But we start drinking of things other than Christ, trying to satisfy ourselves with things other than Jesus. And all of a sudden you start getting How do I start to enter into this relationship? How do I start to join? 
that's kind of the the meal, at least for now. Yeah. Uh, Daily, I, yeah. and weekly. It's it's got. I guess I can't stress enough the idea of repetition and the idea of just continually staying close to the source. Uh, that that's really the key. Everybody will connect to, and I just try to describe for me uh, what helps me to really mm. connect, especially if I'm feeling drained. But you have to find out what it is for you. Now, there are certain things that you can't just, hey, because I don't like reading the Bible, I don't have to read the Bible. Don't hear me saying that at all, uh, because there, all of these things are essential. Uh, but some of them will be just a, uh, a, a, a pathway that resonates better for you. I was uh, just thinking back to the number of times over the years that I've met with students or young adults who had a, a vibrant faith at one point, and it's now they're coming to me and like, my faith is feeling really dry and, and broken. Uh, I've almost, it's almost habit now for me to start probing at some of those basic things, uh, the things that you were talking about there. And almost always when somebody's faith is starting to wither, it's because they're not feeding on Jesus uh, re repetitively. And uh, it, it's all, it sounds ridiculous, but it's like the, all right, let's work through the checklist. Which one of these things for the warning lights on the dashboard? Uh, and often I have to use that checklist on my own soul. Don't, don't think I'm pointing the finger, whatever that metaphor is, three back at me. But like that, it, it is so basic and it's so necessary that usually when something's going wrong in our spiritual lives, it's because we're missing those key components. We live in a time where the resources are... We, there, there are tons of resources. So if I want a Bible reading program, I can just find an app for whatever the flavor of the season of my life is yep. right now. And so uh, books, I mean, and recordings and videos, there's lots of resources. And I think that's good that we take advantage of those things um, and say, hey, we live in an unparalleled time of opportunity. Yep. At the same time, I think that that can paralyze us uh, kind of it's overload sometimes and sometimes we just need to dial it back uh in terms of n not thinking about oh these are all the things that i can do but just keep it really simple what are the pathways that jesus used to stay connected to the father because yeah. those are the ways i can stay connected to him so let's think about that for a minute what pathways did jesus use to feed his soul because jesus really is kind of one of the things that's beautiful about jesus as we read it in the gospels like he uh, there's that that line. He's got a beautiful soul, or whatever. Like the, like he's the model of a, a healthy person, yeah. uh, wholeheartedly. So, for me, part of the things that stand out all the time is that he intentionally took time to be in that relationship with the Father. Yeah, he withdrew. He, yeah, times of solitude. Uh, like the first chapter of Mark, it yeah. talks about him withdrawing, and that was not just a one-time thing. It was a regular practice of his. It's interesting to me during this season of quarantine and social distancing, uh, a lot of the teens that I deal with, as I talk with them, they're like you would think that, oh, they've had a time to withdraw, but they've been so hungry, they've been reaching out so much and sometimes not finding anyone to connect with, but they, they still haven't been withdrawing with God. And I think that's the same for adults as well. You know, I'm often really uh, concerned that when we talk about you know, reading the scriptures and praying to God, that some people still, they, they don't get it. Like they, they just, I don't know what to do or mm. I don't know how to do That really scares me sometimes, right? 
that, uh, okay, how do I pray? What do I say? How do I read? Yeah. One of the things that you said that really grabbed my ear, and I agree with wholeheartedly, I want to dig into it a little bit more, and perhaps we can answer that question through this, is that it's possible to read the Bible without ever meeting Jesus. Uh, I, I think that is a really wise comment for this time, that it's possible to go through the motions or to look at Scripture and not see Jesus in it because we're, we're reading it for the wrong reasons or we're reading it for like a checklist or a whole number of things. You want to unpack just a little bit more what you meant by that? Yeah, so uh, just every time that I read a passage in the Scriptures, it could be in Genesis or it could be in Numbers or in the Old Testament or the New. Yeah. It is always the questions that I have before me are, Jesus, how does this point to you? Yeah. Jesus, how does this remind me of who you are and who you aren't sometimes, right? <laughs> um, and what you care about and the things that I need to leave to the side so I can follow you more. Yeah. So it's, again, asking the right questions of Jesus in those moments. Um, that, that's, I think, really important in terms of how to read the scriptures for me. And then also to keep, you know, if, if you do uh, read the Old Testament, great, worthy goal, should do that. You can't yeah. understand who Jesus is without knowing the Old Testament. Yeah. But don't spend too long outside of passages that expressly Jesus is speaking and teaching and showing you his life, right? Yeah. So I, in other words, you know, go there. But then go back to the lens of focus for all of the scriptures. That's Jesus. So th those are just a few tips in terms of how to read the scriptures yeah, in a Jesus-focused way. When I'm at camp now, I used to like tell some of the, the stories from the book of Judges, you know, Samson or Gideon. or Everything I want to do now is like, okay, let me tell you about Gideon, but let me tell you what that teaches us about Jesus. Yeah. When we read about David, like what does that teach us about Jesus? When we read about, I think that's one of the things we need to be doing in Scripture is constantly asking us ourselves, Jesus, what is it about you that I need to see here? Scripture talks that, you know, Jesus is the revealed God to us. And, and that's what we want to be looking towards. Uh, just as we're wrapping up, anything else you want to unpack a little bit more? Yeah, just really, I can't emphasize enough that you don't need to be looking for anything more than Jesus. Right, because a lot of people are looking for tips, techniques, uh, strategies mm. to be able to grow your soul. And, and great, if you find something that helps, good. I, I don't disparage that at all. But the thing that I've learned, I know, Mike, you've learned it too, is that it's really yeah. I, he's the one I'm trying to find. Yeah, it's Jesus. He's enough. Yeah, and everything else, well, that's okay. But it's like the last. Well, it's not even the last five percent. It's like five percent. Yeah. Right, like 95 is Jesus. And it's, but it's nice. all pathways. Yeah. As long as it's a pathway to get to Jesus, that's... If it helps you know more about Jesus, mm. great. If it distracts you from Jesus, find something else. <laughs> anyway, uh, maybe we should uh, end in prayer and uh, we'll go from there. But do you want to close this in prayer, Corey? Sure, that's yeah. God, I thank you that you're the center of our lives and I thank you that you're the center of everything that we need. I pray, God... Again, just echo that you would feed hungry souls today. Mm. And uh, as we admit our need of you, and as we repent and turn to you, God, uh, I pray that you would fill us uh, more than we ever thought we could be filled. And so, Lord, you do that work, we pray. Uh, use us and uh, 
use us in people's lives to do that, uh, to point the way to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.